1-600 ESPN El Paso. 505-6009, that is our telephone number to get into the show. 505-6009, as uh, we get going today. You can also hit us up on X, formerly known as Twitter, at 600 ESPN El Paso. That's at 600 ESPN El Paso on X, formerly known as Twitter. No Jay Jaffe for the next couple of weeks. He's moving and apparently selling his home and needed a couple of weeks to just get his stuff together. And uh, excited about that. So with no um, with no Jay today, uh, we'll just have the uh, Jeff Erickson experience coming up uh, here at uh, 520. And then Keitha Adams is going to drop by today at 6 o'clock. Excited for that. Miners win last night. It wasn't easy last night. It was uh, a much tougher struggle than a lot of us thought it would be, but they did get the win. They're off to a 3-0 and start. And uh, much like the men, the women will uh, have uh, tougher tests as things continue to progress. But uh, excited uh, to have Keitha with us here as well. So as you might imagine... Yeah, we've got a good show today. It should be uh, a lot of fun. And Adrian, appreciate you covering uh, for me yesterday. My uh, my son was under the weather uh, at the beginning of this week. And uh, yesterday I needed to uh, uh, stay uh, home and take care of him while um, my better half was uh, busy with her work. So we, we kind of took turns. Monday was uh, she was home with him. Yesterday was my day. And between the two of us, he's now back to school. He's healthy again, which is great. And uh, looking forward to having the opportunity to, to spend uh, three hours with you. Although I did listen to yesterday's show. I heard you try to weasel out at some of your picks for the uh, Chick-fil-A Sumble Selectum contest and switch them. I am happy Bernie said absolutely not to you. And, uh, hey, look, um, this ne- this week coming up is the toughest week of the season. These are the hardest games to pick. A lot of games could have gone either way. And you got to realize something. My lead could completely evaporate by Sunday morning. It's very possible that my big lead over you and, and, and Bernie, how many games do I have over you right now? I believe you're two up on me and three up on Bernie. Yeah. And so that means Bernie and I are in the battle for last right now. Yeah. And that, by the way, I could be, I could be in last sure. by, by next week because there's so many tough games, so many tough games to pick. And I loved how you guys kept picking with your hearts on, on, on what uh, matchups you'd like to see end up and why you pick. Yeah. I never do that. I never, I always pick with my head. Always. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like I have a lead right now. Now, I picked with my head this week, not with my heart. It'll be interesting to see if my lead grows, stays the same, or shrinks after all the picks are done. You know, one of the interesting things yesterday is Bernie Kijic, uh in which picks he made. Uh, notice the North Carolina Tar Heels pick uh, that he made very strategic yep. and hopes that maybe Clemson would get a chance to be out here for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. How do you blame him? He threw out Clemson USC as a possibility yesterday, and I flagged that one in a big way, knowing how much power those two schools, just based on the name itself and the likabilities of those universities, how much hype that could uh, generate here uh, at the Sun Bowl. By the way, Steve, yes. hearing from uh, some Bruins reporters mm. today, 
that Chip Kelly is expected to be fired after the game between uh, you know them and USC. If it's not that game, it could be the last game of the season. But it looks like UCLA wants to move on from their head coach, wow. Chip Kelly. You've seen a lot of coaching changes happen across college football recently. Well, Chip can't come here because they were here last year, and the rules usually are that you don't have to take a team two years in a row. So that seems to always be the Sun Bulls' luck, doesn't it? That a coach gets fired right before they come and coach this game. Right. I mean, I felt like that was the case, what, for uh, Arizona State not too long ago Miami. with Graham uh, as their coach, and yeah, he gets canned. Miami, exactly with them. Uh, yeah, so that's definitely a possibility. It's not going to happen to Dabble, Steve. I just hear how many uh, people are excited about all the great teams, all the great names who could potentially be here on December 29th. It's wild. It's so wild. But no, I'm like, uh, I did not pick based on what, what needs to happen in order for teams to get here. I went ahead and did things a little different, Adrian. I just picked based on, like, I took Clemson because I think they're playing really well right now. So that's why I took Clemson. I didn't take North Carolina to hope that Clemson gets here. I took Carolina because they've seemed to have righted the ship recently. That's for sure. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. I felt like with uh, Clemson, um, they've they have been kind of turning the corner. Look at that great win they had against Notre Dame recently. Uh, Club Nick, I think he's very polarizing. Some people really like him. Uh, some fans in, in Clemson can't stand him, but uh, he's grinding out the season, and he's a young quarterback. And I think it's fair to let young quarterbacks make mistakes throughout their progression uh, in in their young careers. So no, let's right. not be too hard on him, right? No, that's hundred percent correct. Hey, by. By the way, um, the beginning of uh, yesterday's basketball game between Golden State and uh, um, and the T Wolves was wild. This was a crazy start to the game. It was nuts what went on. And I mean, here's the audio, folks. Step back three, and so we're scoreless. We'll stay zero zero the first two minutes. And then, look, look at Clay Thompson, Thompson and McDaniels. What is going on with that? Wow. You've got a full-on fracas going on. Raymond came in to defend Clay. This, this got out of hand very quickly. Look at, look at Clay Thompson's jersey. It's ripped up. Clay's boxing him out, puts his hand on his jersey. Jade McDaniels puts his hand on his jersey. Now they're swinging each other around. Gobert gets in there. Draymond's got him in a headlock. Him on the left side over here. I mean, Adrian, let me say this, okay? I guess for 2023, that's a fight now in the NBA. I mean, you ever watch those throwback videos on YouTube showing you what real fights were like in the 70s and 80s and even 90s in the NBA when guys threw like the greatest? You could have guys just mix it up and they'd stay stay in the games and not even be thrown out of a game or be suspended. But this yesterday was I they they call it a fracas, they call it a fight. In order for this to be a fight, I would like to see punches thrown and landed and this was more grappling and pushing and shoving and I don't know if I'd really call this a fight. I wouldn't either, and it's really just initiated by Draymond Green's uh, chokehold of Rudy Gobert, right? Because uh, the Clay Thompson, Jaden McDaniels, that's just pushing and shoving right mm-hmm. there. That's nothing. And then when Draymond Green comes out of nowhere, it's like he's trying to throw out his audition tape for WWE. He wants to still throw his name out there to try to be a wrestler one day. He's talked about it in the past. Why not? Why couldn't it happen? Draymond Green uh, throwing that chokehold, and then Rudy Gobert's just flaying and wants 
wants a call going his way. Well, uh, of course, Draymond gets kicked out. He's probably going to miss some games because of it. It's not a fight, in my opinion, whatsoever. It was, in my opinion, Draymond Green overreacting because these two teams don't like each other. Mm -hmm. Minnesota and Golden State got into it. Uh, Chippiness last game. They were talking a lot of smack. It was initiated by uh, the Timberwolves' best player, Anthony Edwards, and now we're getting a chance to see them. I'm not surprised whatsoever. What I am surprised about, Steve, real quick on basketball, is the fact that the Timberwolves look like a legit contender early on. I love what they've shown so far, and it's because Anthony Edwards, one of the best young players in the league right now. By the way, uh, Spurs Thunder got into it also yesterday with some pushing and shoving. A hard foul led to pushing and shoving. And um, once again, I mean, I, I saw this and I saw guys go at it and, and I, I don't know, Adrian. Again, that's a it's another one where I see a hard drive to the basket. Guy gets tied up, hits the deck, then everybody uh, comes to his attention and we've got pushing and shoving. I actually didn't think it was even that hard of a foul. I thought they, were, they were tied up with the basketball and the player got flung down in the process and then all of a sudden comes the pushing and shoving. The better story to me is how these NBA courts have completely changed. I don't know if you saw what the Thunder did, but their court is like all blue and logo. It almost looks like you're playing on water. So to me, the NBA is, is, I don't know, I mean, they're taking like a page out of Europe maybe, but they have completely changed the design of the color coding for a lot of these basketball courts. Do you like what you no. see now? No, not none whatsoever. I mean, dude, I'm a daily basketball guy, so I hate watching these courts. I hate it. I mean, maybe for younger fans and stuff like that, they like the color schemes. They like uh, seeing a little mix-up. Yeah, sure, it's fun for just a small stretch, but my eyes can't take it. Like, I, I re- visually, I'm like, uh, I don't like it. The aesthetics are not appealing to me. Um, the worst one by far has to be the purple court that the Suns have. Uh, I've watched way too many Phoenix games recently for some reason. Watch them, watch them against uh, OKC and watch them against uh, another team in, I think it was the Lakers, and I just saw they looked. So, um, I mean, let me ask you this: Do uh, are most courts now completely, uh, completely covered in their home team colors, and you don't even see any natural, uh, any natural wood anymore on the floor? Right, exactly. Isn't that such a weird thing? And it is weird. It is weird. I watched the Nick game earlier this season, and the Garden still looks like the Garden. They haven't made that place look like a freak show, but uh, at least as far as the court goes. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the painting. I'm trying to just get a get a get a handle on it. I mean, is that how you're going to try it? If you're the NBA, painting the floor. Is that how you're going to start to appeal to fans, new fans? Hopefully not. Hopefully this is just a one-off right here. I don't Hopefully know. this is just an NBA in-season tournament product and something that we don't have to look at all season long. Is that what it is, maybe? Maybe so. It's the in-season tournament that's going on right now. Very pointless, uh, if you ask me, because it doesn't do much for these teams. Uh, guys like Steph are out right now with a knee sprain. Other guys are sitting out of some of these games. So what do we even make of this in-season tournament? Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Okay. Apparently, according to Chad, uh, who's listening to the show right now, it's all because of the tournament. They're calling this tournament flooring. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a hundred percent sense. All right. So, as he put it, they have trophies on the floor scheme is what they're kind of doing, and it does look a little ridiculous to me. I don't know. I just don't know if that's really what it's going to be. I don't know if that's if if they feel like that's going to get more people excited. 
Yeah, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's something that they they just want to appeal to new fans. New, you know, everybody makes big deals about uniforms, uh, different apparel that ends up in the league. So maybe they're just trying to appeal to the social media hype or anything like that. Maybe so. That could be that. That could be the case. Uh, you want to talk about it today? Five zero five six zero zero nine is our telephone number. Got so much to talk about today. How about Pat Murphy managing the Milwaukee Brewers? I mean, this is wild. You know, 10 years ago, he was here in El Paso with the Chihuahuas for the first three seasons, 14, 15, 16. Now he is the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers after all the years he spent with Craig Council. What a story that is. I thought he was going to follow Craig Council to Chicago, Steve. This one caught me by surprise. Um, All personal, uh, I guess, relationships aside, is this a good move for Milwaukee? That is the big question we're asking. We'll see. I mean, we always liked Murph here in El Paso because he was very media friendly, and I've had plenty of conversations in his uh, in his office in the clubhouse, and he was great. So you know, at least you've got someone that's got a ton of experience, a lot of college, and and you know, AAA and pro manager uh, manager experience, and all these years now in the bigs with Council. Let's see if Murph is the answer in Milwaukee. I'm interested to see how this experiment goes. Well, it's not like they have a rebuild ahead of them. They've uh, they're pretty much built as kind of a contender. They're at least built to win right now. So let's see what he could do with this team. I mean, add some pieces, try to get them a little bit over the top to where they were. Uh, still, just so fast by this whole story, and I'm sure they're going to want to go out and beat teams like the Cubs when their former manager left over there uh, this offseason. Yeah, we got to, okay, so we'll talk about that. we got a lot to cover on the show today, and apparently everybody's saying the same thing. King Eric repeating what Chad said, that the courts are only for the NBA in-season tournament, which, as uh, Eric said, dumb in itself. So, yes, a lot of people, most people I know don't like the NBA in-season tournament. They think it's ridiculous. So, anyway, we could talk about that. We've got uh, UTEP to talk about. A lot of of material here on our Wednesday edition of the program. In fact, with no Jay Jaffe, we've got a good hour of your phone calls and uh, also your posts on X, formerly known as Twitter, 505-6009 at 600 ESPN El Paso. Let's go to Charlie Wan. He's standing by with our first the NBA's in-season tournament, the more confused I get. So How do you I guess, like the marketing behind it, huh? Yeah. I guess this thing started on uh, Friday, November 3rd. That was right. the uh, That was the beginning of the in-season tournament. And they play on, so they've played the third, Friday, November 10th. Then they played uh, yesterday, and they will continue... I believe it's going to be Friday the 17th, Tuesday the 21st, Friday the 24th, Tuesday the 28th, and then Tuesday, December 5th, Thursday, December 7th, and Saturday, December 9th. And the semifinals and finals are at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. That's right. Um, the interesting part about it is nothing matters right now. I mean, really, like don't even take any of these games right now. Uh, they get a good record. Sure, you get into the actual bracket for the in-season tournament. That's when it starts to matter. December 4th, that's when you mar- mark your calendars. That's the quarterfinal rounds. That's when maybe this gets a little exciting. Oh, and, I, and I don't know. The only 
teams that I get excited about for this, Steve, are like the up-and-coming teams. So, you know, if you're telling me the Indiana Pacers are a team that want to win the in-season tournament, you tell me a team like the Thunder or uh, a team like the Timberwolves are really gunning for it, then then I'm okay with it. But other than that, I'm taking all these games more like regular season games. I think the players are too. They're not uh, necessarily trying harder or trying uh, less hard for these games whatsoever. It just kind of is what it is in a weird way. Towards the uh, the full standings, correct? correct? That's right. Yes. So there you go. And what does the team win? Eh, I mean, it's just like some extra money. I wish they got. That's it. Well, see, here's the thing, Steve. I wish they gave the winning team, uh, like either a buy in the in the playoffs, an automatic bid in the playoffs, or maybe like an extra first round draft pick, which would be kind of interesting. So I uh, that that would be my hope right there. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Okay. Um. And I'm looking at this. It says all 30 teams will, and then eight teams advance to the second and final stage, the single elimination knockout rounds. Oh, here we go. The champion receives a new trophy, whoop-de-doo, the NBA Cup. Who cares? In addition, a prize pool will be allocated to players on teams that qualify for the knockout rounds, with allocations increasing depending on how far a team progresses in the tournament. Every player gets 500000 Is that what they said? That's right, on the winning team. Will top performers from the in-season tournament be honored? After the championship is played, the NBA will name the MVP of the in-season tournament and the all-tournament team. Performance in both group play and the knockout rounds. This is not going to last. There is absolutely no way this, this concept becomes big. No, I agree with you. Um, I feel like they're trying to get the players behind this. Players are not behind this necessarily right now. Why Why would you care at this point? I mean, I get it. They're trying to boost viewership. They're trying to get people excited. Uh, that's more of a watching NBA type of thing. The, the problem with the NBA is no one watches full games nowadays. They just watch the highlights. They catch up with the NBA through, uh, you know, recaps or social media. That's how people consume their NBA content nowadays. And I think think it's shifting to a much younger audience that doesn't care about watching a full game oh i agree line ringing in uh 505-6009 that is our telephone number as we continue here you know what else is interesting i'd love to know how much they're selling these tickets for uh especially if you want to go to vegas for the championship what that's going to cost um it's at t-mobile arena it really is uh but what could you possibly pay if you want to go to the championship? What do those tickets start at price-wise? So interesting. I mean, um, I, I just, I, I don't know. And I'm looking right at anything else, Adrian, to see how much it costs to get, um, you know, to get into these guys. Oh, into the championship. That's, a good, that's a good call, Steve. You know what? I, it'd be a great trip for people who are big NBA fans. Make the trip to Phoenix and watch the Suns. Uh, people make the trip up to Denver, watch the Nuggets, uh, or go out to watch the Spurs, whatever it might be. But this is another good opportunity with all the direct flights that we get here from El Paso to Vegas to go. You're absolutely right. Um, and it doesn't, sh- I can't even see how much it is to get in. And the reason is, is that my, um, my computer is blocking the access 
to even see how much the championship tickets cost. I don't even know. So championship tickets, uh, nosebleeds, which by the way, T-Mobile Arena, pretty good uh, play. So even nosebleeds aren't that bad. Three hundred thirty bucks each. Oh, for crying Too out loud! Too much money, Steve. Unless you're going to see a LeBron in that championship round or some relevance. Come on, man. What are you doing? I, I, I don't know. We have playoff doing. games that are like twenty five bucks for some teams. Oh, that is that is just brutal. All right. Let me uh, take some phone calls right now as we uh, continue and approach the bottom of the hour. 27 past. Let's go to Memphis Drew. He's first up. Let me find out if Drew likes the uh, tournament uh, of, of champions, the in-season tournament. Drew, uh, what do you think? Are you are you digging this new gimmick from the NBA, or do you think it's ridiculous? Uh, it's okay. I, I love basketball, but uh, I'm not a... Uh... <laughs> I'm not head over heels over it. I can take it. I, I've been watching all the games. I think here's and the problem. And my Grizzlies are really struggling, Steve. Yeah, I know. I know they, they are. They got a lot of injuries. A lot so, of injuries. So here's the thing, okay? So think about this. The NBA is trying to make the first month of the season interesting, right? And here's the problem. The problem is in November, December, you're going up against the NFL and you're going up against college football. And really, I mean, baseball just ended, but you've got the start of college basketball season, You've got college football, and you have the NFL. And I just don't think most people care. And by the way, you're right. Memphis is 2-9. and nine. They're dead last in the West right now, um, which would put them, what, uh, 15th in the, the Western Conference. And, uh, yeah, they're off to a, a miserable start. But, unfortunately, uh, given their current state of affairs, and when is Morant coming back? Uh, 25 games, so... Maybe fifteen more games. By then, uh, they're going to have a big, pretty, uh, pretty big hole to climb out of, aren't they? Yeah, I hope they can get in the play-in tournament, and uh, we can see what what can develop. Hey, I'm glad Joel is feeling better. Yep, that's good news. Hey, I got a question for you. Which group of uh, group of five uh, powered? You know, group of five uh, conference teams. Which one has nine consecutive? Of the group of fives? Yes, sir. Nine consecutive bowl game appearances. Well, knowing you, I would think it's a, the answer is Memphis, just because right. every <laughs> time you call in, it's about something <laughs> Memphis related. So that's yeah, a good. Yeah, that's, that's a good right. one. I wouldn't have expected that. I wouldn't. And, how, many, uh, how many have they won of those nine appearances? I don't know. It's been about five hundred, I think. Nice. And nice. Penny Hardaway, he's 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 working at a transfer portal. He's got a strong team this year. Keep your eye out for him. Of if he can is. keep it clean, that's the only problem. That's with right. Him. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't no, put him in. He doesn't put him on probation. That's exactly. We'll see. Yeah. So, hey, what do you think of the New Mexico football uh, coach up Lobos? You think uh, he's under the he's in the hot seat right oh, now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Think I've, he'll return? No, I think he's done. I mean, they're three and seven. Uh, they they've just had a miserable season. I think uh, Gonzalez will be out of time as well. I I I would be shocked if they keep him around. I think he's most likely going to be. Uh, they're going to be looking for a new head coach at uh, in Albuquerque too. If you think about it, Albuquerque and uh, El- and Utah, they, they, the Lobos and Miners mirror each other in a lot of ways when it comes to college football right now. Yeah, they're getting that in and out before we do also, I see. I know. Hey, what's Not your happy dream about car? That That's my last, my final question to you and Adrian. What is your dream car? 
My dream car? Yeah. yeah okay, we'll give you our answer on that. What's your dream car? I'll probably take a Rolls Royce Phantom. Ooh. Like uh, Sanders' son has up there in Colorado. Did you know that? No, I did not he realize he's Rolls driving Rolls. a Rolls Royce Phantom. That's what, <laughs> that's what Shadur Sanders has right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got a Rolls Royce. I don't know what model. All right. Yeah. I like that. Okay. That's good. I'll Appreciate listen it. to your answer off the phone. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. Okay. All right. Um, you have any uh, opinion on my mine has changed, um, and I'm just going to tell you my answer. Okay. Uh, this would never have been even a thought in my uh, in my process up until a couple of weeks ago. But um, truth is, folks, one of our employees got into a car accident and T-boned a, a Tesla going about 40 miles an hour. And unfortunately, his car was totaled and uh, he was in the hospital. And luckily, uh, he survived, but banged up, uh, having a really difficult time. And the person he hit in the Tesla driver's side walked away uninjured. So I'm taking that test right now. Yes. All right, that's what I, that's what I'll take because that seems uh, to be the that could be the safest car on the market right now these days. Although I'll be, I've been driving the uh, I've been driving the Santa Fe recently. I've yeah. got the hybrid, and they also have uh, the, the top of the line uh, Hyundai's. The Genesis are beautiful cars. So I don't know. That's a really that's a tough dilemma I'm in right now as a dream car. Maybe I should just go back to my original old classic, which was I always wanted like a '55 Vet. That was the that was always the that was always the mm. car I would go with back in the old days. Just give me a classic '50s Vet, and I'll be happy. Flex on him, I like it, Steve. Yeah, that's that would be a neat car. That's I was always, you know what? I can't. Nah, I don't need technology. The hell with that. Just give me an old classic that runs well and made the way they used to be made, and I'll be and I'll be pretty happy. What about you? You know, I, I'm not a big car guy. I don't have, uh, you know, a big, uh, I guess, kind of like dream wish list for cars. I'd probably stick with like, uh, you know, I do like the new Chevy Silverado EV pickups. Those are really nice. I've seen those. I think those are like the 2023, 2024 versions. Nice. Like those a lot. Uh, I do like the Model X that you're talking about from the Tesla. Those are really nice in itself. Uh, and whenever I see a Bentley, I'm always thinking, man, those are Really, really nice. So those would be, I guess, top? I, I don't, yeah, top three right there. Okay. Alberto's got a good one too. Does he, Alberto? What's your dream car? For me, a lot of people get mad because it's not super like rare. Uh, I'd get, I'd go with like a '70s Toyota Land Cruiser. Nice. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. So you're going back to the '70s. I'm going '50s. You're going '70s. Adrian's going kind of like what's your classic? What's your classic car? Oh man, I don't have a good classic car. I, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could give a better answer there. That's all right. I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. Were you ever into the uh, early like sixty uh, sixty four and a half uh, Mustangs? Those are nice. Yeah, I could I could live with those. Those are okay. really really nice. Fantastic. Um, we'll keep the conversation rolling with more in a moment. But first, let's go to Adrian. He's got a quick Sports Center update. Thirty four past as we continue. I got two calls to get to. Uh, I love this, by the way. From Adrian at Enemy Win the Number Three. Guys, the NBA in season tourney is an awesome idea. Quit being prudes. There you go. Uh, Adrian, it has nothing to do with being a prude. I just, here's the thing with me I have a hard time getting into the NBA these days. That's, that's my biggest problem. Adrian's addicted. He can't stop watching it. Right. I have a hard time watching it, especially this time of year for me. I used to love the NBA. I would be, I would never miss games. I would watch it all. I would stay up to speed with everything. Nowadays, uh, I don't know. It just 
it's it's not the same sports priority for me as it used to be. It used to be great. I was again, I could name everybody in the NBA, and now I just I don't know. Um, between the NFL, college football, college hoops, I kind of feel like that's enough. And I feel, I guess, you know what turned me off the most was uh, load management. That that ticked me off. And I felt like, why should I watch games if the best players on the team are voluntarily just going to skip? It, it turned me off. I felt like, you know what, if I want to watch a sport, I want to see the best players playing unless they're injured. Not a healthy scratch like we see so much in the NBA. So far into this season, we've seen an improvement in load management. Guys are not taking as many nights off as they did before. And I'm talking about the main guys who do. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, it's like Kawhi Leonard. It's like Paul George it's guys like Joel Embiid and and even you know even to some extent Anthony Davis or Kyrie Irving those guys are typically playing this year which is a good thing for the product of the NBA plus the, a lot of young guys in the NBA now okay let's go to the phones keep things moving we'll go to Adrian he's next as sports talk continues then we'll get to Abel 505-6009 what's going on Adrian how are you uh good how you doing Cap? doing well thanks Adrian appreciate it very good uh, talking about the classic cars? Yes. I would pick a 1970 orange red Ford Pinto. A Pinto, huh? Nice. All right. I like that. Tell me why, why, the, why the 70 Ford Pinto? What, uh, what, what uh, really appeals to you about that? Well, it's just a two-door hatchback. Uh, classic car, man. It looks yeah, pretty it cool. It is. That's true. Those on the road still when I was uh, in the 80s, that was still pretty big. Yeah, man, they talked down about the, that vehicle a lot, man, but uh, I actually like it, man. So, right on, I would, I would take that. All right, what do you think about the NBA? Let's go, uh, give me your thoughts on this in season tournament. Yeah, so, uh, if I read correctly, I mean, uh, there's no more games added to the season, it's just uh, a lot of the games that they would play in conference games, yeah. With this tournament, it's actually being a little bit more meaningful in regards to uh, winning and losing. Uh, you know, top 10 of the conference going to the playoffs. Uh, but this one gives a, just a, a little more of a competitive nature to to those games and a good amount of incentives. I mean, like, why would the NBA players not want to have an extra 500 k in their bank when it's just regular season games, but as put into a uh, tournament scenario uh, during the season, I mean that's fair. It's a win-win for them. Yeah, it is. It is. That's true. And then, and it's a little bit more like also for fans to uh, for those games to be meaningful, you know. And and for the players, now they don't want to sit down during uh, those type of games. Because they become a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more extra cash in their pocket, and they're more willing to play. So the NBA is getting smart in regards to trying to make these uh, not unmeaningful. Uh, more is what you're saying. Make them exactly, mad. Exactly, okay. exactly. So, so you're, you're telling me that I should watch, check it out, and maybe I'll enjoy it. Well, yeah, maybe a little, a little bit more deeper into the, the playoffs. Okay. You know? Uh, once you go into the the bracket stages, that's when it gets interesting, because uh, you know you're gonna see a lot of teams playing their starters, and at the end of the day, who doesn't want an extra trophy? Yeah, you're right. I'll you know what? Right? 
All right. I, I might have to. You, you might maybe you're selling me on this one. Maybe I need to start tuning in, Adrian. I appreciate it. The suggestions on that. Hey, uh, I just want to mention, Steve, I think while the 500K it could be nice to the pocket, and I, I get why they're doing it, they want to, why not make it even more incentivizing to these teams right now? Offer a playoff, an automatic playoff spot. If you win the whole thing, you automatically get in. Now, where you're seated is based on your record, but maybe you don't have to go through like a play-in tournament game and you automatically get a spot, or at least give them a draft pick. That means that contender could end up dangling that draft pick in the first round near the trade deadline and then move that to, uh, to maybe acquire some good talent by that deadline. So no. kind of incentivize it a little bit more than just 500k. Maybe the pick would incentivize even more than the playoff spot. Right. Because now you're giving, especially if you give them like a, like a, maybe like a supplemental first round pick. So yeah, I think you're onto something. Maybe even right after the lottery, like you do it like at wow. 16 or something like That'd that. That'd be a Ooh, valuable that's pick. An interesting one. Yeah. That would be a valuable pick. Here's Abel uh, joining us next. Abel, are you enjoying what the NBA is doing right now? Hey, Steven, Adrian, how are you guys doing? Good, Abel. How are you? Good, good as well, thanks. So, um, you know, just kind of, you know, looking at this tournament thing, you know, I'm like Adrian, you know, I love the NBA, you know, love watching it and all that. But, okay. you know, you know, we, we all we all know that the NFL is king, and that's the top sport that, you know, you know that, that we as a country get into and all that. So, you know, I do, you know, like what Adrian is saying as far as, like, you know, this in-season tournament, you know, with maybe that draft pick kind of incentive thing. Yep. But I mean, look, you know, listeners maybe not like this, but you know, I still think that the NBA season starts too early, how it starts in October, you know, even with this tournament that they're doing, I understand, you know, like, you know, they're trying to draw that, you know, that, that draw to like get us fans into it. But I would say, you know, the NBA should start on Christmas day. That should day that that should be the day that they start. I think they would, that would kind of draw a little bit from the NFL, even though they're kind of doing games on Christmas now. And, you know, because there's that law that we have when the NBA ends in June mm-hmm. to when NFL starts in September, you know, like that that law that we have with no sports is kind of crazy. And, you know, after COVID, when we got that NBA season pushed back a little bit, you know, we had games during, you know, 4th of July and during the middle of July. It, it was nice. So I, I think that'd be kind of cool, if, you know, the NBA would kind of like maybe just switch their time from around. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it'll happen one of these days. Maybe they will do that. Who knows? I mean, it's so it's so hard to figure with the NBA sometimes. It, it really is. But I get the idea. I get what you're saying. And, you know, just try to – It's this time of year is difficult. So I get the idea of the in-season tournament. But do you like the way the courts are colored? Um, You know, maybe with, you know, with how the Warriors and the Timberwolves got into it and, you know, the Thunder and Spurs too, you know, maybe they're kind of – that's kind of giving them a little bit of extra juice with this tournament. You know, if the players are all up for it, you know, and they're kind of, you know, bringing it out there more, I mean, maybe this tournament's good for them. Um, you know, but the courts themselves, you know, there are some designs that are kind of cool. The Bulls one is real nice, but there's some that are just like, what are they doing? I know. That's true. Uh, there are some issues with that. So, listen, I like it. I'll take the uh, – I'll definitely take the – um, the comments into consideration, but again, Abel's, you know, he's, he's a basketball fan. He just says it's a tough time of year when you're dealing with, uh, you know, October to try in early November to get people excited. I like the idea to start in, uh, 
at Christmas. And I also like the idea of stretching it deeper into the summer because we get to that period, Steve, where there's like no sports on. Why can't the NBA take advantage there right before NFL preseason starts? That's when the NBA season should end. Mm -hmm. I loved when they did the bubble format because they really took over that late summer period of all the sports and really the whole entire sports world watched uh, the bubble and what that was, you know, the the type of basketball that was going on there. So I, I would prefer them go deeper into the summer and start later, like Abel said. I like this idea. All right. We've gotten deeper into the hour, taking more phone calls here, uh, talking all the NBA conversation. So we'll come back. We'll take the break. We'll uh, return with Eddie and Fort Bliss, 15 in front of uh, 5 o'clock. As Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Still to come, Jeff Erickson joining us in about a half an hour. Let's go back to the phones right now and uh, say hello to Eddie and Fort Bliss. Eddie, thanks for waiting. What's going on? Well, not much, Steve. So to answer your question about the NBA, do you remember seeing uh, Spaceballs back in the 80s? I love, no, spa- love Spaceballs. Yep. Remember halfway through the movie, they do the Spaceballs 2, a grab for more money? I do. I do. That's what I think about when I think about this quote-unquote in-season tournament. Baseball too, a grab for more money. There you go. Anyway, anyway, why not make so, the tickets? Why not make the tickets to the championship game in Vegas free and give everybody an opportunity to get into a lottery system instead of charging three hundred dollars to go sit in the bleeds over in uh, at, at uh, the um, you know T was it uh, T Mobile Arena? Yeah, please. Baseballs too, a grab for more money. There you go. <laughs> so, question for you: Have you? What do you think about the? Uh, Award the Major League Baseball postseason award so far. So far, so good. I like where we're going on that. I think uh, Cy Young uh, is supposed to be today. Blake and, Snell, uh, yep. just name. They just, they just announced Snell for the National League. Uh, so Garrett that, and uh, Garrett Cole just won the AL award about 15 seconds ago. So I, I with Snell now. Call me old school because I don't give into war. I, I hate that as a quote unquote stat, but. For you to lead the league in wins, strikeouts, have more, I guess, a better whip, and still end up losing the Cy Young because one guy had a 2.25 ERA and a better war by three per, three points. I don't, I, I don't like that. I don't like the feeling. I mean, I think look, Strider got I, ripped on that one. I'm looking at Snell. 32 games started, 180 innings, a 2.25 ERA. He struck out 234 batters, and you hit 181 against him. I mean, that's you know when you when you're limiting a batting average to 181, uh, it's hard to argue that it is. I mean, I, I thought Blake wrong. Snell, you know, Blake Snell did everything but win games, and part of that was because San Diego stunk. No, I do agree with part of, with most of that, but at the same time, I also look at it as uh, Strider. Had I think he had a three point eight ERA. He yeah. also pitched more innings. He had a better WHIP. He had more strikeouts. I think forty more strikeouts. He finished fourth. I mean, he finished behind Zach Gallen and Logan Webb. So you know, know you want to make these stri- look. And here's the thing: if you've got an ERA almost at four, you can't win the Cy Young. You just can't. I mean, it is not if that's if that was Strider's ERA, that's just not good enough. I think the reason I think it is, though, the one thing is Strider does have a history on is giving up the long ball. So if you look at it, yep. I think he gave up eight or nine more home runs. than. So I, I guess that does kind of count against you. And wins, by the way, when you're on the Atlanta Braves, you're going to win baseball games. You won, 100, yeah. you won 104 games. I mean, truth is, you know, you, if you put Blake Snell on the Atlanta Braves this year with the season he had, he probably would have won 25 games. 
No, I could agree with that. So, but it's a good, but it's an interesting point. It really is. Um, I think yeah, three point eight six ERA. I mean, that's just ugh, it's just not good enough. I mean, that's that is that's that's the problem with me. Twenty wins is nice. Only one to win twenty uh, this year, but that ERA yep. is just too high for me. That's 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 why I couldn't. I I don't think has there ever been has there ever been a pitcher that's won the Cy Young with an ERA at almost four. I'm pretty sure there has been. I in. Probably back in the '90s, but I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Now, the one thing I can think about is the fact that he did have 280 strikeouts this year. Yeah, which was oh. by far and away. Here we but, go. By the way, again, I've got an answer for you. The highest to win the Cy Young Award was Lamar Hoyt, who had an ERA of 3.66 in 1983. Wow. So there you go. 366. And we said Strider was 386. 380. So 386. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're talking probably what? A run, run and a half a start more? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough. That's a tough call. So, hey, good job today on the call, Eddie. I appreciate it, but we're over the time limit. we got to come back. We'll have hour number two in a moment. I do want to give some thoughts on UTEP's game on Monday. We'll do that right after this. 600 ESPN El Paso. Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broaddus. All right, start of hour number two. The more I think about Spencer Strider, I just, listen, you get an ERA over almost at four, and even if you win 20 games, uh, you put Spencer Strider on the Padres, and he's probably winning 10 games instead of 20. You put Blake Snell on the Atlanta Braves, and uh, more than likely Snellzilla is going to be winning 24 games, not 14. I mean, that's just facts are facts, right? Um, you know, they you're batting 181 against uh, Blake Snell. He's got a wins above replacement of six. And Spencer Strider has a wins above replacement of 3.4, meaning Snell almost doubled the value. To me, there's no argument. Not not this no. year. No argument. Logan Webb, uh, Zach Gallen, those are the two that finished second and third, Steve, and they only f- received one first-place vote. So look at what the voters said. It, they say it's pretty much a landslide for Blake Snell receiving this one as the NL Cy Young. And, in fact, Strider, he finished fourth. Meanwhile, Justin Steele, which I who I thought had a great year, he finished fifth with the Cubs. But, again, no one stood uh, up with uh, Snell's numbers. Logan Webb had a good season. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, he won 11 games, lost 13 because he was with the Giants. Uh, but, you know, he had an ERA of three, uh, three and a quarter, pitched well, had a good uh, wins above replacement. He did. Um, the biggest issue I have with him, you know, in terms of just his value is, once again, um, you know, had a losing record. That is. And, I don't know, Blake Snell had an, an, an ERA a full run lower. And San Diego was worse than the Giants this year. So think about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, that tells you everything right there. Numbers don't lie. No. Um, you know, it's just, just the way things are. And, and really, I mean, they were very, Padres had three more wins than the Giants, but these were two very similar teams this year. They're both, you know, Padres were 18 games out of first place, Giants were 21 games out of first place. The only reason the Padres finished with a better record than the Giants was they won their last five games. The Padres did. Giants, uh, you know, they didn't play well down the stretch. The Padres were red hot. 
But I mean, yeah, you just I thought Blake Snell clearly deserved the Cy Young. I, I really do. Yeah, and and everybody, the voters would agree with you there, Steve. Twenty eight of of thirty first place votes for uh, Blake Snell here. Now, and who's currently a free agent, by the way. And by the way, I mean the Padres aren't signing him because as good as as much as it would behoove the Padres to sign Blake Snell between Machado, Tatis, um, having to unload Soto, Bogarts. Um, Cronenworth, they've got so many long-term crazy contracts right now that they they would need to shed about two or three of those if they're going to have a legitimate shot at trying to bring somebody like Blake Snell back. I'm worried about the Padres next season just because I don't know what this rotation is going to look like. It's going to be in shambles. Darvish is another one that's long-term contract and you know got hurt towards the end of the year. So I'll be really interested to see what the Padres do this offseason. Yeah, they might need a second or third loan, Steve. That's the bottom line. Could be, or they have to, or they've got to trade Soto and package one of their long-term contracts with him in order to try to shed additional salary. Yeah, which is probably going to be the reality. And uh, you know, for Soto in San Diego, we saw flashes, and it just never, uh, I guess, got to the success to where the Padres really wanted. I wasn't with you yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to talk about the UTEP win Monday night over UC Santa Barbara. And even though A.J. Mitchell didn't play, and I know we can look at that, look, team, team's been impressive. They really are. You can knock them for free throws, shooting 58% from the line uh, on Monday, but this team is they're fun to watch. Uh, they score. They can shoot. They can dunk. They're athletic. And, well, since minor fans had a chance to get excited, I think the last legitimate time the Miners uh, fans were this excited early on was the year that Rodney Terry beat Texas Tech and everything looked great until that trip to Hawaii when all hell broke loose and the whole season unraveled. That really was the last time Miner fans were thinking big with a UTEP basketball team. Yeah, I could uh, 100% agree about that, and I like the comparison to 2019. The interesting part about 2019 is it was a lot of veterans that year. I mean, it was like Nigel Hawkins, Jordan Lathan, which at the time had been around the program for a little while. Uh, Bryson Williams was just kind of coming onto the scene, but wasn't necessarily the alpha on the team. They had other leaders on that group, and I think they needed an alpha on that team to kind of uh, help them through those adverse, adverse times. Remember, everybody starting to quit the team as well it just got real messy that year Steve I don't anticipate uh, a downfall this year but I also don't anticipate the same upside as they did that year I mean the upside to that team was pretty high I've got a couple things I want to play for you I want you to hear the minor talk mashup from Monday night I think that's important to play and the awards we gave out after Monday's big win over uh, UC Santa Barbara I think that's pretty important to to play and then also uh, today uh, this is very cool. I don't know how many of you had a chance to listen to Freddie and Harry before we took the air this afternoon, but our very own Sal Montes got through today to Freddie and Harry and joined them on uh, their show preceding ours. 
And uh, Sal's a big fan of ESPN, especially uh, Freddie Fitzsimmons. I think the fan base appreciates the style of basketball that this team plays. It's very exciting, and it makes them want to go back to watch this group again. Negative. Uh, let me hear the negative comments. Oh, I did not. So I didn't record. No, those, no, no. I don't, in just, other words, I don't want to hear like right. the actual calls. Like you tell me what the negative. So comments negative were. comments said suggested, hey, they, they didn't play UCSB at full strength. They Fair enough. Played anybody up to this point? Fair enough. And then the other negative. Negative call was talking about hey the the I guess the goal should be every single year an NCAA tournament bid and they didn't mm. feel like they were an NCAA team at this point they're not I mean they're not they're not please they're not even close to being an NCAA tournament team at this point but you want to know something they've given you excitement in November something we haven't had in a little while so I agree with those calls they're right we haven't played anybody up to speed yet. We will in California, and that's going to be good. And I also agree that they're not an NCAA tournament team. But here's what they are. They're exciting. They uh, they will get better. And if they're, this, if they're playing like this out of the gate, the question is, as they get better and better and better, what could the future bring as we get into 2024? And that's what's going to have minor fans dreaming for a trip to the postseason. Not saying it's going to happen, but at least, and 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 understand this, they're not a postseason team right now. I mean, that's not even, a, to me, that's not even a question. But they have the potential. If they continue to develop and grow, which they could, and that's exciting to me. Very exciting. All right, so... At least, so Adrian, I'm, I, agree with, I agree with the two negative callers, but I feel like those are valid points but on the flip side, a lot of potential with this team, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Good upside, and when you look at the Cal game, real quick, Steve, wonder if Keontae Kennedy will not play. Eden played so far three games into the season, upper body injury, and also uh, questions about his eligibility this year. So that's been uh, up in the air right now on whether or not he'll play against UTEP on Monday. Isn't this like Keontae's sixth team yes. of his career? No wonder. Was que- yes. I'd, I'd be questioning his eligibility, too. It's like, how many different places can one human being attend college and still have have a chance to have eligibility so yeah i would also be wondering a little bit about that too yeah i think he's doing his third masters or something like that Mm -hmm. i agree jeff erickson coming up in just a little bit plus we'll play sal's call on uh fred you know fitz and harry that'll be fun too freddie and harry i should say but first uh, let me go to augustine he joins us next what's going on augustine Hey, Steve, good afternoon. Hey, surprise, surprise. I was not one of those negative calls. And, um, and, and you know, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Steve. More than anything, I think this team is really, really giving it at all. You, you can tell by the way, mm-hmm. um, by the way they're playing. At least the, the E for effort is there completely. And I think the buy-in to the program, which is more important, I think it's there. So, I mean... The, the the awesome thing is now we have a team that can compete and actually, you know, make minor fans dream of something else. Yep. Maybe not this year. Well, no, but, this year uh, is what you want. You want this all- year. I mean, Zid Powell has got one no. year. So you want to make sure it's this year yeah. if that happens. But the point is they've reloaded uh, Augustine, and right now this team has mm-hmm. potential. and that's And we haven't been able to say that in a while. Yeah, exactly, Steve, and, and that's that's the cool thing about this team. But the cooler thing, like I said, it's 
it's the players actually, you know, playing for each other. There's no ball hogging. There's no, uh, you know, the points in the paint were better. So, I mean, I'm positive about this basketball team, and I know everybody's going, who's that? Who took over Augustine's voice? But this is me, everybody. Uh, Miners will have, you know, I'm probably stretching, but is a 20-game win season possible? Well, listen, as a former uh, professional basketball player in Mexico, your endorsement is a ringing one, and I think that's important. People need to understand <laughs> that. No, no, I, 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 they should. Yes, they, they should. should. They, but, they should. How many years but, did you play? How many years but, did you play I mean, pro ball in Mexico? How many years? Long time, long time ago, Steve. But how many? Uh, how many seasons? How many years did you play pro ball in Mexico? Five. Five years, folks. Augustine, and by the way, we've tried. There are no pictures of his professional basketball career in Juarez and in Mexico. But Adrian, for a guy that's been five years playing pro basketball in Mexico, that's <laughs> a big endorsement from Augustine. Man, there is not even a team photo or nothing anything like that. I've searched. I have searched. No stat I have, books. No, I nothing found, like that. I have, I have found nothing. He played center, Steve. Center? Yeah. Augustine, is that true? You played center? No, no. I'm too tall to be center. Too tall. There you go. Uh, that's good. All right. Well, listen. One of these days, Augustine, you need to find those pictures. Bring the pictures when you bring the bottle of tequila. Fair? Fair. Okay. Thanks for the call. By the way, yes, Freddie Coleman, Harry Douglas earlier today had our very own Sal Montes. We'll have Jeff Erickson joins us right now to talk a little fantasy sports at this time. You can check Jeff out at rotowire.com. He's got his weekly value meter. That is the lead story up right now on the football section at rotowire.com. Um, we talked about it last week. You gave me advice, and, I, and that advice was great, but that advice could not save me from having a terrible week in guillotine and being the latest victim following Adrian. Back-to-back weeks, Jeff, that the two of us were eliminated, and thanks to Trevor Lawrence's just trash performance at home against San Francisco, that pretty much sealed my fate uh, for Week 10. Oh, brutal. And, you know, Josh Dobbs has had more 20-point fancy performances than Trevor Lawrence has this year. That, that's all you need to know how frustrating it's been for him. Yeah, that, thanks. That doesn't really make you feel any better, Jeff. I know it doesn't. I, do, I know it doesn't. Uh, we knew it was a, a tough matchup. And the thing is, I don't even think Lawrence has been playing all that badly. I, I think the play calling is really kind of curious. They don't take shots deep at all there. And I, it's, do they not trust their offensive line? Do they not trust their receivers? It's just... I don't understand what's going on. No, that makes two of us. I don't either, but I'm going to tell you something. There were a lot of problems Sunday. Saquon Barkley had a miserable performance. That was bad. Um, And, you know, Lawrence was just trash, like I talked about earlier. And then, unfortunately, Drake London and George Pickens didn't produce. So when you have a collection of disappointments, there's only so much Kenneth Walker, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and Romeo Dobbs could try to do to save me. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it was tough, and um, nothing worse. It, it, it's I'll tell you the only thing that's worse than getting knocked out of a guillotine league, depending on your stakes, is getting knocked out of your survivor pool, backing your favorite team uh, when you have misgivings about it, no less. Uh, which was the case for me. I got knocked out of Circus Survivor uh, by going with the Bengals, even though I knew that it wasn't great. I just didn't have the right pivot for it there. Sure enough, they lost. Tyler Boyd dropping that touchdown in the end zone. Ugh, brutal.
Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud is playing himself not just into the Rookie of the Year conversation, but potentially the NFL MVP conversation if things continue to go like this for him. I still think there's a few more hurdles for him to overcome. It would take the Chiefs really falling apart for him to leapfrog Mahomes, for instance, uh, just because the Chiefs uh, are clearly a better team right now. But because often the MVP is a team award, not an individual award. Uh, but yeah, he, he's playing fantastic, and uh, you know, love watch, just love it. I love watching it. At least I had it on my fantasy teams in a few cases against my Bengals. Um, the thing is, there was a play that didn't even count that improved, that impressed me more than almost just as much as anything. There was a play where Robert Woods caught a ball in the end zone where he's ruled to have kind of gone out of the end zone and then come back in. Uh, it was like Stroud's fifth read, sixth read on the play. He was, you know, under pressure, threw a dime on the run. It was just a sort of throw you just never see a rookie make. Mm. I, got, I got a piece of trivia question for Here's a trivia one for see if you can, uh, t- you know, just uh, knock this out of the park. Um, name the last um, rookie of the year and NFL MVP in the same season. Uh, rookie of the year and MVP in the same season. Oh, and you can use this on one of your RotoWire podcasts. You've got my permission. Use, huh? Once okay. I tell you this, free use. This is good. You'll you'll appreciate this when you talk about C.J. Stroud and the rarity of possibly winning both awards. I, I think it's got to be like Jim Brown or something. Bingo, Jim Brown, nineteen fifty-seven. Wow. So that's because yeah, and the funny thing is the MVP is such a quarterback heavy award yeah. that that's why it had to go way 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 back. Uh, it's just and because you know typically rookie quarterbacks don't perform; it has to be rookie at another position. But yet other positions don't win MVP. And wide receiver, for instance, never wins it. Uh, Cooper Cup couldn't win the MVP in his record breaking year. That's how hard it is for wide receivers to win the award. Some of the teams, Jeff, that we kind of rode off early in the season are now starting to catch a little bit of momentum. Raiders, Broncos, put the Colts in that conversation, although they've won some games earlier this year, but you maybe put the Cardinals now that they have Kyler Murray back in that picture. Do you like any of those team or uh, fantasy guys from any of those teams right there, knowing that they're kind of coming back here, uh, despite us maybe writing them off earlier this season? Well, Javante Williams has certainly gained a lot more fantasy value. Not only is he, you know are the Broncos playing with leads, so they're running the ball more, but he's become a bell cow back. He's getting twenty plus touches a game now. Uh, they were working him in slowly at the start of the year, and now he's clearly the guy. Um, you know, he's getting you know, he's getting targets in the passing game in addition to running between the tackles. Um, I like what I see from him. Uh, it's not explosive, but it's steady. It's strong. So he's someone whose stock has definitely risen. Others that you could also look at and say uh, the same thing about? Yeah, well, Jacobs, too. I mean, the, the Raiders uh, are trying to become, you know, that's their identity is they want to punch in the mouth. That's the Antonio Pierce is trying to instill that. And, you know, it's, it's kind of working, um, albeit I, I want to kind of slow the roll there a little bit because the Raiders' two wins would come against a Daniel Jones uh, getting hurt and, and going to Tommy DeVito in a game against the Giants, which was, and they are already true, truly pathetic even with Jones. Uh, and then against the Jets and Zach Wilson. I want to see them you know, this week on the road at Miami, where they're definitely taking a step up in class before I fully buy in. But at least they're, you know, they're a real NFL team now, not the clown show that they were under Josh McDaniels. You love Jameer Gibbs uh, going up against the uh, Chicago Bears this weekend. I love the Lions' offensive line. 
Um, they're just they're road graders right now, and they're running against everybody. Uh, I like Gibbs a lot. I like Montgomery a lot. It, it's I think I have them both in my top ten this week. Also speaks to the fact that I don't love a ton of running backs. More with Jeff as we keep things moving. If you've got any questions, send it to us right now on X, formerly known as Twitter, at 600 ESPN El Paso. Fantasy questions, who to pick up, who to start, who to sit, all your dilemmas. Let Jeff Erickson answer it for you. And then you can blame him if you lose like I just did when we start the segment uh, next week. It's perfect. More in a moment. Right now, here he is, Adrian Bradas in the Center Update. Adrian, thank you very much. Let's stay along the lines of uh, players and plays that uh, Jeff Erickson absolutely loves this week from rotowire.com, folks. He joins us every week uh, to talk fantasy sports. Um, You love Dak Prescott against Carolina. How could you not, right? Exactly. So much for Mike McCarthy grounding this passing offense. Coming out, they've they've now had three straight games where Dak has been on fire. Uh, It's Risen, it's, it's raised uh, C.D. Lamb to uh, new heights. They're, they're giving him tons of targets. Uh, you know, granted, they, they, Dallas seems to have, find, have found like the scheduling magic this year that they're they're facing all these really bad teams exactly at the right time. Uh, facing the Giants when they did last week, you know, the Patriots earlier this year, and they're taking advantage of it. There, uh, yeah, they're they're rolling right now, and I don't see any reason why I would stop. Uh, the one guy not profiting from all this is Tony Pollard, who uh, Yahoo just took off their can't cut list. Uh, that's how far he's dropped this year. He, ha- he hasn't scored still since week one. Let's talk about the uh, news out of Cleveland. Deshaun Watson out for the year with that shoulder injury. They said that he wanted to keep playing, but they were worried that if he got hit again, the shoulder could just be gone for good and ruin his career. So he's out and in is not P.J. Walker, but instead rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson, somebody we had a chance to see uh, last year at the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, and we saw him uh, in, uh, earlier in the season against the Ravens where he was pressed into action like an hour and a half before the game when, remember, uh, that Watson was medically cleared with that shoulder and then couldn't go. And so Tom, uh, DTR came in and really struggled against the Ravens. He has a similarly tough matchup against another AFC North foe in the Steelers. The total in this game, Steve, is down to all the way down to 33 and a half. I, I haven't seen that ever in an NFL game. Uh, this is the University of, some, some University of Iowa stuff here. Uh, Jeff, when it comes to the Bills, they are kind of pressing a little bit of the panic button right now. They fired their offensive coordinator, yep. Ken Dorsey. Joe Brady's now in the mix there. How does that change them offensively, knowing that their skilled position players have been underwhelming, to say the least? Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going to change play-calling-wise. I feel like uh, Dorsey is a bit of a scapegoat. Uh, I don't think he is the one that made Gabe Davis drop a ball that turned into an interception. I, he's certainly not the guy that had 12 guys lining up to try to defend the, the game-winning field goal and give give them a second chance. Um, I, I, sure, I, I don't know, you know scheme-wise what's going to change too much there. I'm still trying to dig into that a little bit more. Um, but you know, maybe it's a case of they, they kind of turn Allen loose, if you will. The funny thing about all this is Allen, is, yes, he's had all these turnovers, he still scored the second most fancy points per game this year at the quarterback position. Um, he has the most cumulative points because Jalen Hurts has already had a bye week. Uh, so you haven't lost by having Josh Allen on your team. The, the Bills have lost. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, 
it's tough because the defense isn't what they were thinking they were going to get either because they've had such key losses. Tredavious White, Matt Milano, Vaughn Miller's done nothing this year. Um, I mean, they're sitting at 5-5, five and five and they had to find a scapegoat. Man. Um, are there any particular favorite plays you don't like this week? Well, um, yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper at home usually is a play. Now with the quarterback change, uh, you got to downgrade him significantly, I think. Um, may not be able to bench him, but, you know, I certainly not use him in DFS, that's for sure. And you might be. Maybe you put, that puts him into the 30s. Maybe you're loaded at wide receiver. Like, for instance, I, you know, I, I'd start Tank Dell over Amari Cooper this week. Okay, that's good uh, Good advice uh, from Jeff. Again, if you want to see his value meter and everything they've got up at the website, it's uh, rotowire.com, folks. A lot of content, a lot of material. Today was uh, Cy Young Day. Give me your reaction towards the news. Blake Snell and Garrett Cole capturing the AL and uh, NL Cy Young. You know, I'm not really surprised at either. Um, little known fact that it was Cole's first. I mean, he's been the first you know, pitcher we draft in leagues for a number of years now that he finally got his first Cy Young, and yet it's Snell's second, and he now has one in each league. I thought that was noteworthy. Uh, Snell uh, is a free agent. going to be interesting to see uh, who who plunks down for the big big bucks to sign him. It probably won't be the Padres, unfortunately, especially with the passing of their owner. A lot of material. That's true. With, uh, you're talking about uh, Seidler passing away. A lot of material up at the website right now, not just for fantasy football, but fantasy baseball as well. I know you've been busy with projections, and now with free agency starting, things, things can get pretty interesting these uh, next couple months. Yeah, uh, we finished projections for our top 300, the one that we did the roundtable. I now have projections for every one of those players uh, in there, and we'll have a whole lot more on the site soon. Uh, as we start to ramp up the process. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, always, always, the hot stove league is always fun. AFL just wrapped up a little while ago, too, so I'm assuming that could also give uh, James Anderson an opportunity to, to write some good stuff about uh, the league and how things, uh, how things ended with certain players seeing their stocks rise. Yeah, absolutely, and he's he's been doing he he has a really good podcast from last week that kind of reviews the top performers from the AFL Um yeah, highly, highly recommend you check it out. And James has been cranking out good podcasts every single week. He has another one that's Cubs-centric today with Sarah Sanchez, who uh, runs a great Cubs blog. So make sure to check those out. Give me your thoughts on Pat Murphy getting the gig in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's kind of a little continuity there. He's been their bench coach for a long time, former college coach. Um, you know, this is you know they're doing what they can to at least maintain all their, their the coaching staff at least after Council left for the Cubs. Um, I'm more concerned about what they do with the with the payroll, what they do with the players, than I am the manager. But uh, yeah, you know, they have one tough blow already that they're not going to have Woodruff for a good yeah. chunk of the season. So um, I'm curious, very interesting to see what the Brewers do this off season. Murph, the former Chihuahuas manager for the first three ah, seasons, that's right? That's right. From 14 to 16, he was here in El Paso. So what's your reaction to that? Oh, I love I loved Merv. He was he was about as media friendly as you're going to get, especially for the first few years. He was the perfect guy for that, um, and we liked him a lot. Uh, you know, I'll be interested to see how the players and the vets gravitate toward him. But you said the best part. He's been with Council for so many years now in Milwaukee. I'm sure that uh, he's going to be a very familiar face, and uh, they they're not having to bring in somebody that uh, ultimately would maybe struggle to to gain confidence. In the in in the lot, you know, in the clubhouse. So in that regard, I think Murph, who's always been considered a, a player's coach or a player's manager, will be a pretty safe bet out there in Milwaukee. 
Yeah, well, I'll look forward to the end of it then. Uh, it's always good to have a little local knowledge. No doubt. All right, listen, always great having you on. If people have never been to Rotowire and really explored the site, despite the fact that you've been with us for about the last 10 years now, Jeff, um, you have an opportunity for people to explore the site without even having to throw down a credit card. Absolutely. Uh, we got a free trial. Uh, it's a couple of days. You get a peek behind the paywall. Just go to rotowire.com slash free. Uh, unlike a lot of free trials, we don't require a credit card. Uh, if you don't want to subscribe after your free trial lapses, it just lapses and you move on with your life. But hopefully you like it. You kick the tires around and say, wow, this is some great stuff here, and you want to subscribe. So rotowire.com slash free. Look forward to it. We'll talk to you next week. If you're going to be around the day before Thanksgiving, that would be terrific. If not, we'll make uh, arrangements and, and have you back again real soon. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Steve. All right, Jeff. Jeff Erickson joining us here on Sports Talk. Sal's going to be dropping by the studio in a little bit. We'll get his thoughts on uh, his call in today to uh, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Freddie Coleman, Harry Douglas, that happened uh, today. We've even got the call recorded, so Sal can set that up for us. Plus, Keitha Adams will be by in about 20 minutes as well. Busy show still to come uh, as we continue right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Sure, since uh, we will have Keitha Adams dropping by our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. And speaking of Schoolyard Sports, Mr. Schoolyard Sports himself, Lane Frank, will be by tomorrow. Following our weekly chat uh, with Lee uh, Sterling from ParamountSports.com. So, yeah, we got a good uh, good stuff in store f- for everybody uh, later this week. Again, football has two games left. That will be Saturday against Middle Tennessee. Uh, Then the following Saturday, the final game of the year at home against Liberty, and that'll wrap things up. We're going to be busy as well. we got basketball with uh, the men's team playing Austin P Friday night, and I'll get the opportunity to call the action courtside with uh, the one and only Steve Yellen. In fact, we're making plans, Adrian, to have you join me courtside at the Haskins Center for a very special Friday sports talk prior to the start of UTEP men's basketball. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm still working out some of the details with some of the guys back here. Uh, and yeah, that'd be awesome to do that on Friday. We, of course, have Minor Talk presented by the Oscar Eddie at the agency right afterward. And uh, it's been very lively here to start things off in basketball. Somebody asked, hey, if basketball has success, would that distract everybody about what's to come for UTEP football? And could UTEP football sneak, uh, you know, letting Dana Dimmel coach out his contract next year with excitement of basketball kind of, you know, shadowing all of it right there. Somebody asked that to us uh, this past week on Minor Talk. It's an interesting question. It's a, it's a good one, and you start to wonder how you're going to answer that. Um, you know, that's, that does make it, uh, you know, again, I, it's so interesting because I was, I was at lunch today, and, and one of the conversations was about uh, the, the football, the, the, you know, the future of the football program, and, you know, is it possible that Dana Dimmel uh, does not lose his job? And I said, anything's possible here. I mean, you can't rule out any possibilities at this point. So, you know, if UTEP decides that they can't afford the buyout, then, yeah, they'll let him coach out that final season. But that would be um, – a. I would almost equate that to Doug Martin's last year. Remember when Doug Martin was coaching out at New Mexico State and you just kind of said, man, can't wait for this to end. And then it did, and they brought Jerry Kill on board, and then the rest is kind of history. I think it'd be along the same lines there with that. Right. I mean, it's an unspirited fan base that uh, would have to endure another season under this regime. That would be the reality that a lot of people would face if that was the case. But I'll say this, you know, 
The Minor Collective raised three hundred grand for basketball, and they've used that to retain the roster and then add the uh, the five or six new players. And so far, the results look promising. You imagine if they could start a football NIL with some of the big heavy hitters here in El Paso who then could give to football like they give to men's basketball and try to help that program out, especially if, uh, in fact, uh, you know they, they do have a new coach or, or trying to retain some of their key players from the last couple of years, what that could mean. Yeah, it shouldn't even be a question like if this were to happen. It should be when this happens, Steve. This is so far behind. When we're talking about this football program not having an NIL, forget that. Not even football program. It's any program at UTEP that has athletics. They they yep. don't have an NIL program uh, set up. Then I, you know what? That, I'm that that's a bad thing right there. You have to be ahead of the times. You have to follow along, even if it's a self uh, done NIL donation plan. Platform, kind of like we've seen from certain soccer programs, yep. cer- certain volleyball programs, stuff like that, where you can donate monthly, at least have something like that. Well, I mean, Doyle Gaither set up that program through the website that he designed and built a couple of years ago, and that's still going strong. But that is is more of like a grassroots NIL. You know, Minor Collective, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, $300,000 for men's basketball is, is good money. I mean, that's that's not exactly a chump change. And when I was asking um, about New Mexico State's NIL, they've got almost half a million. But what they've done is they've taken 300000 for football, and then they've got like one seventy for basketball. So when you add it all together, it's a pretty substantial NIL program, but they're using it for more than one sport. Whereas here, the specific point of the minor collective was men's basketball not football not women's basketball not volleyball nothing else just men's basketball so that tells me that you know if you ever wanted to organize another nil in similar fashion you would probably need to go ahead and uh, and and put that together for football. Correct, and it feels like everybody else across the group of fives in football already have these things in place. So yeah, UTEP just really needs to get with the times and understand why this is a priority for them. It really needs to be seen that way. The way that it's helped basketball, uh, men's basketball specifically, should just be a ripple effect, and everybody should benefit off of something like this too. All right, I got a good question coming in from JD Aziz uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter, for Coach Adams. I'll make sure. We, we talk about that with her when she uh, joins us here in uh, less than 10 minutes to begin our final hour coming off their win last night. So thank you, J.D., for that. And if anybody else has questions, you can call or uh, or message into the program at 600 ESPN El Paso. Not to mention also our uh, free mobile app. Pinky has been active today on the app with a lot of comments. In fact, um, you know, he, uh, he, uh, he was talking earlier about the NBA discussion that we had, and here's what he said earlier about your NBA talk. Come on, Adrian. The NBA season is only a month into it. Wait until later in the season and don't buy a ticket to go. I haven't seen a live game this year so far. I might not see one this year. I would love to, or this season, I should say. I would love to, yeah. um, but I will say this. I'm watching probably NBA every single night, so Pinky will not stop me. I'm sorry, man.
Ray Ray had a really good question. It said, what about the portal? Can UTEP basketball lose players like Tim Floyd did? And there goes the season. I don't think it's going to be in the same spot now. I feel like players are really bought into Joe Golding. They've got an NIL. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're retaining players. They're using it. And I feel almost like UTEP's becoming pretty uh, competitive in mid-major basketball with this NIL. But also think about this, Steve. If you have the two-time NCAA transfer rule that's now in place, that's going to deter guys like Otis Frazier, who's still a junior, who could be uh, you know, a graduate transfer next year. Might deter him knowing that he yeah. might have to sit out a year. Same with guys like David Terrell. Same with guys like Elijah Jones. So on and so forth. The two-time transfer policy right there. Not David Terrell, but you get what I'm saying. Two-time transfer rule could definitely uh, sway guys the other way. Elijah Jones was definitely a a good example. A good example of that. That is for sure. So, no, I'm I'm with you on that. And I think that that really should go into play. I mean, they were so lenient. I feel like college teams took super... um, They were... They just took it... You know, they... They kind of used it, abused it, and now that the NCAA has scaled it back and they're not allowing every waiver through like they used to, things are changing a little bit. Yeah, that's why I feel like this is the year for UTEP men's basketball. They have other uh, conference foes who don't have guys eligible. They have most guys eligible other than Baylor Hebb, so this is the time to do it. You said it earlier, why not this year with Zid Powell, Tay Hardy, Calvin Solomon, all the seniors? When we come back, Keith Adams will join us in studio. I'll do that. We'll have a Coach on to talk uh, UTEP basketball. Also, Sal Montes will be dropping by. We'll talk about his call-in today to uh, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio before we got on the air. And I want to tell you about how you can take advantage of our latest dining deals to Magic Bistro coming up Friday. So, yeah, we got a lot to cover in our final hour. We'll do it next right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Affluence and Adrian Broadus. Final hour underway. Welcome back, everybody. Along with uh, Adrian and Alberto, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. As uh, you're listening to Sports Talk Live here, 600 ESPN El Paso. The Utah women's basketball team off to a perfect 3-0 start, including last night. Uh, they defeated Texas A&M Kingsville by the final score of 63-55. to And uh, we've got uh, head coach uh, Keith Adams right now on our 600 ESPN El Paso Roto-Rooter hotline where all of our guests always appear. Coach, welcome back. First off, good to have you. And uh, congratulations uh, on not just the win last night, but the 3-0 start as uh, you continue to see your team start to to gel. Again, only one play you've ever coached before this season. And uh, watching uh, this team start to come together, I think that's the most important thing right now. Well, hey, Steve, it's great to be be back, and thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, you know, we haven't um, – we've had some moments of some some good basketball, but I think um, we're still – we're just – we're a work in progress. We're trying to, you know, learn about each other, and, and our players are learning our system. And uh, But the thing I've been proud of most is we've uh, we've finished strong and we've closed the games out. And uh, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, you can. It's really important that you that you finish strong and you and you and you close games out. And so we've had some. We've had a couple close ones that we've had to, you know, make make some plays and execute down the stretch and do some things that uh, in order for us to get the win. And so that's been a positive. And uh, you know, we're in a we're in a learning in a learning curve, but uh, it feels good being back in the dawn. I know it. Um, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you what, you what you've learned about your team so far, but after three games, is it difficult to really answer that question? Uh, no. Um, 
you know, I think that um, what I've learned about our team is we've uh, we've got to get better defensively. Um, you know, our rebounding, uh, I think our rebounding two weeks ago was really, really poor because we weren't being physical enough. Uh, but we've gotten better in that. And this last game, um, we out-rebounded our opponent and was really good on the offensive boards. And we've been putting this, uh, I call it a bubble popper. It's a plastic, it looks like popcorn popper. It's It goes above the rim. We snap it on the rim. And, and when we go over the other team's plays, we have that on there. So our male practice team, they, they run the plays. And then when they shoot, that ball's coming out every time. And we're just having to really – secure the rebound and, and get in that mode of rebound. And I think we've improved in that, but we're still, I'd like for us to be more physical than what we're being. Um, and then, you know, our free throw shooting, um, is, it's been rare for me for us to be shooting like we are at the free throw line right now. Um, my teams normally shoot better than what we have, but we're going to work on that and improve on that. But, you know, communication, I think we could get better in that area. Um, and then the thing I've learned is, uh, in my timeouts, you know, like when I call out a play and I just say the name of it, we might have four players that, that boom, go right to it. And then one has a mental lapse. Um, so in timeouts and in half times, I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to be a, put everybody where exactly where they're at and exactly what we're doing and, and just trying to be even more clear about that. And when I've done that, uh, they've been really responsive to that. But, you know, it just goes to show it's that newness and we just got to keep getting reps to where at some point, you know, we automatically say something, we just do it and we know it and we're not having to think. But that's part of because of where we're at with all these new players and uh, the whole new team and whatnot. But that's the things I've learned thus far. Tell me this, and and, and I, I know you're not going to sugarcoat this, but I always like asking you questions. I'm sure um, you know our listeners would like to know: Are you a patient person in general? Um, and if not, when you're dealing with a whole new roster and you realize that it's going to take time, does it sometimes wear on you because you want to see them pick things up quickly or maybe quicker than they have? Or are you somebody that can, can you know, understand that, hey, I know it's going to take time, I am patient, and uh, you know what, my patience uh, is not running out right now? I think that um, that's a great question, you know, I, I, I've learned a little bit about, you know, every, every generation there's traits and tendencies, right? And you have to, you have to try to get a really good feel for your clientele and what's their strengths, what's their weaknesses. And, you know, in the last few years, um, what I, I, we have three rules about practice and it's, um, they have great listening skills, follow instructions and own it. And those are three things that, that, that I every day try to hold our team and our players accountable because if you have good listening skills and you follow instructions, that's going to make your team better. Um, and with so much newness, if you're not as good a listener as what you need to be, then we're, we find ourselves as coaches repeating ourselves. And by Friday, my voice is pretty much shot because it's just, there's so much we're having to go over, but, um, the other thing too is owning it, you know, 
And I do this as myself as a coach. You know, when I mess up down there on the floor, and sometimes I do, you know, uh, hey, you guys, my bad, you know. And everyone has to be confident enough and and own it when when you when you make a mistake or when you don't do what you need to do. And that's to avoid making what? Excuses and pointing fingers. And so those are the three things that I, I really look to hold our team to be accountable. Now, timing, you know, there's all kinds of things that I do think you have to be patient with your team when you're in this situation in November. You know, but by the time we get to December, there's certain things we shouldn't be having to be as patient about. I just think it progresses as you go along. And then by January, I mean, look, we're teaching it. We, we're going to expect you to do it. And we're drilling it. We expect you to do it. Something we don't teach, I can't expect them to do it. And, and that's kind of how we go about it. I think I'm patient. But on some things, the listening skills, I don't want to hear anybody make excuses. That's just not, not, not going to get you anywhere. And so I think on some things I am, and then on some things I'm not. Keith Adams with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. This question came in uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter, from J.D. Aziz. Good question. Um, and he asked and wants to know, Coach, how did you put it into high gear and recruit what seemed to be an entire roster within a month on your second go-around here in the orange and blue? Oof. Well, uh, we were we were fortunate uh, we were very fortunate that uh, players who we had signed uh, to come to Wichita State, uh, we had several of them that wanted to come with us here to UTEP, and they wanted to, to come with us here, which, you know, that really helped on that. Um, you know, and then you just hit the ground running. I mean, um, we we just had to really work extremely hard. And I was homeless basically for, I don't know, I didn't get – I didn't get I didn't get my home bought till July, <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't even look at houses till probably June, because all spring it was working on recruiting, hiring a staff, and then uh, scheduling. It was just that was the priorities, and so, you know, you just you just had to, it was really it was really a crazy spring. But I felt like, you know, for taking the job in April, mid-April, um, I think we did pretty good to put a team together in a short amount of time. I agree with you. And I'm just wondering um, about this part, and, and just because it's become now a part of college basketball, did you have an NIL to work with your last season or two at Wichita State? We we had some players on some NIL, um, and – you know, fortunately, it it's something that I think can grow, and we definitely can get that here. Um, it's it does help. I also think you have to be careful with it too. Um, you know, I think that um, it can. It, there's a fine line with it. Um, you know, having your team be a team, um, and how they feel about one another, and how young people are going to handle that. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting to watch some of the high major programs right now that have some big NIL deals for some players. I'm really going to be intrigued to watch how that goes because um, how that affects you in the locker room. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, Young people are human. We're all human. We're all human. And when it comes to money, um, 
that can create some issues. And uh, so I'm, I'm watching a few elite programs right now to see how they how they do this year because I'm intrigued by that locker room aspect with it. I am too. Um, and I also wonder, in you you talked about high majors. I mean, I wonder about NIL and mid-major programs, and are we starting to see them come around more now um, in, Reese, you know, in, in, in the last six months to a year, or would you say that mid-majors are still a little bit behind the curve compared to what we've seen in, in high-major college basketball? Oh, no. Mid-majors are, mid-majors are in the mix of this. There's no question about that. And, and you know, we really need everyone in the city of El Paso to hear this, that, you know, NIL deals is very, it's a, it's a big game changer for recruiting. I mean, you can be the greatest recruiter ever and you have a, a player that's going to get $30,000 at a school, whereas you don't have that to offer. I don't care how good a recruiter you are. Money talks and, and, and you know, look, there's young people that um, that maybe come from families that don't have much support. That's a lot of money, or that's a big, big deal. And um, you know, you look at what's happening in men's basketball, football, and and women's basketball. You can just Google it, and it's unbelievable um, the money and the deals that are happening for for athletes. And don't think that that doesn't make a big difference. I mean, um, think about it on a personal level. I mean, if you have a job where you can go and make 50000 or 25000 to 10000 what do you think you're going to do? And um, so we have to all understand that. Coach, when it comes to NIL, there also has been some previous players here who've had great social media following, have garnered a lot of attention online, and and have built that following through their own likeness and through their own name and image, which is a great thing in itself. Do you also feel like that could be a good avenue for some of these players to kind of take on their own you know, NIL opportunities, knowing that there are those avenues, whether it be social media or online, affiliations through commercials or those things that they could capitalize on through nil absolutely absolutely um you know we've had some players here that have had some nil things activities that have happened because of their social media and people that have contacted them that want to um partner up with them so we have had that happen and um it it is a positive thing it's a good thing and you know it's a great thing for for the player um, and then it's also a win-win that gets, you know, the business or whatever it is that's, that's doing it, um, advertisement and, and they're helping support our program and they're helping support, um, a student athlete, which is a positive. We'll come back. We'll talk to coach about uh, the trip to Riverside, California and Cal Baptist coming up Saturday afternoon. First road game of the season for the UTEP Miners. And if you've got questions, please, uh, now's the time to get those in. As we head over to Charlie One, let's get ourselves this traffic update.